So we'll take not very long. We'll take just a little bit of time to cover, um, I think, cover what God laid in my heart. I um, just want to see, want to make sure that's what he wants to do here. Yeah, I think so. So, um, you know, last week we started talking about trust and how important that was this year. And um, because trust has so much of an impact on the way you view the world around you. And it's also key to being able to see clearly. God wants you to be able to see in a way that maybe the world's not seeing. How many know that we're called to have a different type of sight than the way that the world sees? And the world sees doom and gloom and all these types of things. And um, it's easier to control people who are afraid. And so the enemy wants people to be afraid and wants people to be in control. And God does not want you to be afraid. And God wants you to be confident and to know that this is a good year for you and your family. And you also have to understand what happens in your life is not based on what happens in the world. Um, you can have, like we as a church had our best year ever financially last year. And in the natural realm, that would seem impossible um, because of all the things that are happening. But what you have to understand is that you're not operating in the same realm that the world is. And God has a bigger and a higher path for you. But one of the key elements for you to operate in that is to trust the Lord. And, um, you know, to me, it's a, you know, one of the, I think one of the greatest analogies, I think, for trust that there is, is just floating in water. Because to float in water, you know, you just lean back and you surrender and you allow the water to carry you. And that you're not doing anything, you're surrendering to a power um, that's, that's different than your own. <clears throat> and so, um, God wants you to be in a place of rest this year. When, when you are trusting, you are at rest. And, um, and I, you know, give the example, everybody in here, you have somebody in your life that you can trust, right? Well, that person brings rest to you when you're around somebody that you can trust. And so God, he wants to wants you to really trust him this year for everything so that you'll stay in a place of rest and also so that you can see clearly. Um, because when we're not trusting, we're not seeing clearly. We start to see the way the world sees and we start to allow fear to impact um, our hearts. And we don't have anything to be afraid of this year because our God is bigger than anything this world can throw at us. Amen. And so kind of our springboard is Jeremiah 17. And in verse 5 it says, Thus says the Lord, Curses the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. That's kind of the key element. When you're, when you're not trusting you're not seeing properly, and God wants your vision to be good. 
Because good is coming, and God wants you to be able to see it when it comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now, this is you, okay? This is you. Don't, and here's the thing. Don't get under any type of condemnation. Don't get in, you know, you can, you can switch from not trusting to trusting just like that. Just in a moment of time. And I'm not saying you're going to have this perfect thing where you're a constant state of rest. I'm saying that you are laboring to enter into that rest and stay into that place of rest, right? So, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord, for he should be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So the promise to you this year is that you would have a supply that was unending and constant. I mean, that's what a river is. When a tree is planted by a river, it doesn't base its fruitfulness upon the rain. It doesn't base it. It can look at the trees far away. And another thing you can't do, you you can't base your expectancy on what's going to happen in your life based upon what's happening in other people's lives. You've got to, we've got to put our attention and our focus on the Lord, trust in the Lord, and expect good things to happen. And to draw strength from a supply that's not based on what's happening in the world. Um, will not fear when heat comes. Its leaf will be green. It will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So I'm in expectation for a fruitful year for everybody in this room. For a fruitful year of people that are watching online. And the key element is, is tr- just trusting in the Lord. Now, what causes you to trust? Right? <clears throat> now, and, and before I say that, I'll say this. Trust changes the way you see. How I many of Joshua and Caleb looked at the land and saw it differently than the ten other spies? Ten spies saw huge giants, saw big problems, focused on the negative, and did not believe that the Lord delighted in them. How I many old God would have taken all 12 into the promised land? But because Joshua and Caleb trusted the Lord and trusted that he delighted in them, how I many you know they conquered the land? And the giants became bread for them. Adversity became opportunity. See, when you're trusting the Lord, <clears throat> adversity becomes opportunity. It becomes something that actually feeds you rather than draws away from you, right? Joshua and Caleb, they went into the land. They accomplished their goal. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read these to you. It says, when you believe, you enter into rest. So when you're in a place of faith, when you're in a place of trust, you're at rest. You have peace, right? Amen. Now, what causes us to trust God or anyone for that matter, right? The reason you trust somebody is because you know who they are and you know how they feel about you. See, when you start, how many of a big portion of us understanding the gospel is us finding out who God is, that he is a God of love and that he is faithful. And then we also find out how he feels about us. And when you understand that God loves you and when you understand that God is love, and then, then how many of you trust somebody who loves you, who genuinely loves you? 
So as you find out who God is, and then you find out how He feels about you, that opens your heart to enter into a place of rest. See, every time the gospel is preached to you, it's a revelation of who God is and how He feels about you. And it should always bring you to a place of rest. Because the pressure is not on your shoulders to perform. The pressure is not on your shoulders to qualify. It's all on Jesus' shoulders. And because Jesus bears the burden of these things, your yoke becomes easy and light. Right? And so, we find out the goodness of God, you know? The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, right? It's the goodness of God that leads you. When Moses, when Moses was concerned about going into the promised land, he didn't know what he was going to do. God says, I'll show you my goodness. And then when he saw the goodness of the Lord, he was confident that he was going to take him into the promised land. Last week we looked at it, we talked about this all the time, but how many of God is love? Can I get an amen? And how many know when you're rooted and grounded in love, you're filled with all the fullness of God? Can I get an amen? And, how many, and, then, and then in Galatians um, 5, 6, it says faith works through love. And what that word worketh is the word energio. Your, your trust is energized and empowered when you know God loves you. Right? So as you start to understand who God is, and you start to understand how He feels about you, it brings you into a place of rest and into a place of trust. Then in James 1, 16 and 17, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, whom there's neither variation or shadow of turning. So the, one of the areas the enemy is going to try to deceive you in the most is the goodness of God. Because if you don't think God's good, how can you trust Him this year? You can't. And most of the doctrines of the enemy, doctrines of devils, are an attempt to make God not good or not just. They're always trying to mar the image of God. Because you won't have faith and you won't have rest and you won't have trust if you don't believe that God is good, right? God does, don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. What does that mean? Good things come from God. Bad things come from the devil. I mean, that's an area where the enemy has deceived the church forever. God don't give you sickness. God don't give you poverty. God don't give you lack. How do you know these things, Jeremiah? Because... Where God's will is perfectly done, there's no sickness or lack. How I many you know Eden was not a place of sickness or lack? Before man had the opportunity to introduce his will. How I many you know in heaven there's no sickness or lack? Anytime the will of God is being done, there's good things. How I many you know Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed the devil? The nature of God is good. He has goodness. And one of the major things that, that religion tries to do is turn God into somebody you can't trust. And try to convince you that God isn't good. Oh, and then the next thing it tries to do is if he can't convince you that not, God's not good, it'll try to, the enemy will try to convince you that God's not going to be good for you. And, that, and that's the, where the rubber meets the road. 
And that's one of the things that the, the Spirit of God was addressing prophetically earlier. We were talking about tearing up contracts that you made against yourself, that you'd made yourself unworthy. Amen. We don't make ourselves worthy. Okay, very important. Very important. And so, Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. And so you have to, we, we understand who God is, that's what causes us to trust Him, and then we understand how He feels about us. Now here, this is extremely important. You're never going to trust God if you think He's holding your sin against you. And we major on that in this church, because it's the, it's the message of the gospel. But the average human and the average believer still thinks they have to pay for their sin in some form. And if you are doing penance and punishing yourself and disqualifying yourself for your shortcomings, you are not honoring what God did on the cross. And you're elevating yourself to position of Savior. And that is anti-Christ. Way more than cauldrons and hats. And so... You won't be able to trust God until you believe the cross is a success. I spend most of my ministry time trying to convince the world the cross is a success. I mean, I do, man. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's like, oh, I mean, it just like, just in me that it was a success. Because your sin's paid in full, guys. It's paid in full. Like all of it. Every, every, every bit of it. In the past, in the present, and even in the future. All your sin's paid for. You will not pick up the tab for your sin. You're not allowed to pick up the tab for your sin. The only people that will pick up the tab for their sin are those that rejected Jesus Christ. And they will pick up the tab for their sin. Because they rejected the Savior. But it will be a willful decision. It won't be something that's automatic. But your sin has been paid in full. So you have to be confident in that or... You won't be able to trust in the goodness of God, and the enemy will always be able to point out an area where you failed for why you're not going to get the goodness of God this year. He's a master prosecuting attorney. And you know what? And if we all took a look at our lives and our thoughts and, our mis- and, and we looked at us and we put us all in the light, every single one of us would fall short. You, you are not designed to not fall short. You're a bucket with holes. You know, and I, I don't say that disrespectfully towards us, but I say that like Jesus' name is Yeshua for a reason. He's the Savior. Right? He's the hero in the story. It's never you. It's never me. You will always be in a place of needing Him. So get comfortable there because He's comfortable being your Savior. He's comfortable carrying you. He's comfortable rescuing you over and over again. He never gets tired of rescuing you. He never gets tired of you He never, I love the word that Brian shared, He never just tolerates you. No, He knows you, 
And he knows why you do what you do. And he knows why you made the mistakes that you made. And he sees past all of those things. And he sees down into your heart. And he sees where you were wounded. And he sees where you were hurt. He sees things that you can't see. And when he was dying on that cross, becoming one with your sin and my sin, he was making a way so that God could relate to you as a son that never sinned. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, your sin is not being imputed to you. There's no other way. We just have to realize there's not levels of righteousness. You're either righteous as God or you are dead spiritually. There is no other, there's nothing else. Your switch is on or it's off. And, and we've built major institutions to levels of righteousness and different levels of believers and pyramid schemes and all of these things. And it's just not true. You're either, you either have Jesus as your righteousness or you are not born again. There's just no other, there's nothing else. And so once you're born again, you're in Christ. So here's the thing. You can be confident in how God's going to treat you. Because God's going to treat you like he'd treat Jesus. Because you are now in Jesus Christ. And so it will be difficult for you to successfully trust God if you don't realize that your sin has been taken care of. And see, and here's the beauty of it, the more you understand this and believe this, it will actually break the power of sin's dominion off of your life. This is what sets people free from sin. In your actions, when you know that you're forgiven. The reason people sin over and over again is condemnation. Condemnation is the strength of sin. And so, in order for you to trust God, you have to know your sin is taken care of. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins, and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Your sin is not imputed to you now that you're in Christ. You're no longer under the law. You're now under grace. Amen. It's the truth. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. But we, have, but we, but by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all. Every priest ministering daily and offering repeatedly same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The cross is a success. Can I get an amen? amen? So when you are thinking about the way God feels about you, you have to understand God is not looking at you as a sinner. He's not looking at you as a failure. He's not. Now, he will coach you and lead you and guide you into all truth so that you don't do dumb stuff and get dumb results. Because he loves you. But he will never impute sin to you, ever, because he's already imputed it to Jesus Christ. Right? He can't, it's, it's double jeopardy. Right? Okay, I have to be careful not to just preach there. But, so, you have to know, because I'm, I'm cutting my time short, very short. 
you have to know that he's not holding sin against you. And then you also have to know that you're now one with him. Right? And I'll, I'll read you a couple of scriptures on that real quick. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone was in Christ, in, inside of Jesus, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. You do not have the same identity you had before you were born again. When you are now born again, you are now in Christ. You're now one with Christ. Right? Once again, how's God going to treat his son? Right? 1 Corinthians 6, 17, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You are now, God identifies with you. Colossians 2, 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus with the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, establishing the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Drop down a couple verses. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. See, you're complete. You're completely a son. You're completely a daughter. You're completely a child of God. One of the, one of the ways the enemy tries to trick us is trying to get us to try to do something to become something we already are. Okay? You are one, you are one with him. And then John 17 and verse 23, Jesus speaking, talking about us. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So what you have to understand is that God now sees you in Christ, sees you as one with Christ, loves you same way that Jesus loves you. You guys are fine. We love you guys. Be at peace. All of these things. Now, why is all these things important? Because you have to know the way God feels about you in order for you to trust Him. Right? And now, 10 minutes and we close. The, the last thing I just want to talk about here quickly is when trials come. Because you're going to have trials. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have things that are thrown at you that are not comfortable and are not fun and are contrary to the will of God for your life. And when those things happen... It does not mean that God has forsaken you or God doesn't love you. It means that you're on earth. Right? Very important. Because, I mean, you know, trust is important when things aren't going your way. Your, your faith and your trust is not tried until things are not going your way and they're going in an opposite direction. See, you trusting God does not mean your life is going to be filled with nothing but roses and easy trails. That's not scriptural. You are going to have challenges. You will. But if you can trust the Lord in the midst of the challenge and understand this is not God punishing you. This is not God against you. This is not God giving you something bad to teach you something. And you understand that God is going to deliver you out of this situation in this circumstance. And you're going to come out on the other side more developed, stronger. And you're going to take something with you into the next world that is one of the only things you can take with you into the next world. And that's your faith. More precious than gold. Tried by fire. You ain't going to take your...
clothes, you're not going to take your car, you're not going to take anything into the next life, but you will take your trust in God. And it will have been tried with circumstances that are contrary. And so, Mark 4, parable of the sower, verse 16. Like, these likewise are the ones stone, sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the sake of the word, immediately they are offended. See, this is what happens, man. You see people, they get the word, they get the kingdom, Jesus, Jesus, I'm excited, woo, let's go, and all these things. But all of a sudden, bam, all hell breaks loose. And now it is your, it's, it's, it's rubber meets the road time. Are you going to get offended at God or at other people and be rootless? And rather than being a tree that's planted by the livers of living water, you turn into a tumbleweed that goes around offended from place to place to place to place to place to place. And the thing that will root you and ground you is the same thing that we are rooted and grounded in, which is the love of God. So when you're going through all these things, you have to know the love of God has not been removed away from you. God still loves you. God still adores you. You're still one with Christ. And if you'll get through it, on the other side, there's tremendous blessing. There's tremendous promotion. There's, there's great things. And I'm not saying that every time you're going to get through it and everything's going to be sunny and great. No, sometimes, you know, you get to the other side and you've been, you've been beat up. Because you're once again, you're on earth. This earth is a battleground, guys. This is not your final destination. It's a war down here. It is. But, but tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake. What's him trying to do? He's trying to steal from you the word of God. He's trying to steal from you the kingdom. He's trying to get you offended. At God or at man. Both will rob you. And so... You can't afford to be offended. You have no right to be offended. You've lost the right to be offended. Why? Because Jesus, who deserved nothing but good, took everyone's offense on the cross. So Jesus, you've been forgiven of everything, but you've now lost the right to be offended at anybody. Everybody tracking me here? And that is what will keep bitterness and hatred and anger out of your life. When someone hurts you, put it on the cross. When someone wrongs you, put it on the cross. Jesus said, let me pick up the tab on that. Because I did pick up the tab on that. Everybody tracking me here? Very important. Because one of the number one things that will remove you from advancing in the kingdom is offense. It's good. It's good. That's good. It's true. It's true. We must put it on him. Otherwise, we can't move forward. But when, when these things happen, we've got to be rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves us, Right? And when the, when the trials come, when the tribulations come, when the challenges come, you know, James 1 and 2, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and entire, lacking nothing. That word patience is such a powerful word. It's the word hupomone, and it means endurance. See, it doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are if you can't catch your breath. You know, maybe that's a, 
But but like someone can be a great athlete, someone can. But if they don't, if they can't catch their breath, they're ta- they're done. In the MMA, someone can be great, but if they if if you are gassed, if you can't breathe, you're done. And and when you're going through a trial, you need to be able to trust in the goodness of God and the way God feels about you so that you can endure that trial and get to the other side and get the promotion and the increase and the experience that is on the other side of the trial. It's the truth. There's always promotion on the other side of the trial. Always. There's never a time when there's not. Always. 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 And if you drop down to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures trials, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed, happy, to be envied is the man who is patient under trial, stands up under temptation, for when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown and the life which God has promised to those who love him. Now, certainly I believe that's true in an eternal sense, but I believe it's true in an incremental sense as well, that when you can trust God when you're going through something and be at rest, and once again, not lay blame on God, not lay blame on yourself, not lay blame on anybody else. You cannot progress by blaming everybody else. Blaming everybody else is the single stupidest thing you could ever do in your entire life. It is nobody's fault. If you, want to, if, if you want a great recipe for never being fruitful and moving forward, blame everybody else. Excuses and pity parties are not the kingdom. And that's why Jesus said, let me give you my example. If you're grieved and you're going through things, remember what I went through. Because what I went through is greater than anything you've ever went through. And I did it for you. Right? Don't blame other people. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your grandparents. Don't blame pastor so-and-so, sister so-and-so, your spouse, your children. There's absolutely no room for that, man. Think about Joseph. I mean, Joseph had a lot of people to blame. He could have blamed his brothers. He could have blamed Potiphar. Could have blamed Potiphar's wife. Could have blamed the baker who who forgot and didn't tell nobody. I mean, the man was wronged his whole life. But how many know that other people weren't capable of keeping him away from the destiny that God had for him? Because God alone is the promoter of men. But one thing he had to do was keep his heart right. How do you know his heart was right? Because when his brothers came back, he forgave them. He fed them. He blessed them. Right? He did. Amen? Yeah. Oh, he could have had a kill just like that. But he didn't. Amen? Final place when we close. Psalm 27, verse 5. For for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. Amen. So, in closing, let's trust God this year. Let's know who he is. Let's know how he feels about us. And when trouble comes, let's not blame him or blame ourselves. Right? 
Let's, let, let's trust in the Lord. He said, yeah, Jeremiah, but I'm the one who brought the trouble into my life. That's okay. He paid for that too. He paid for that too. And he'll encourage you not to make the same mistakes, but he also won't disqualify you because the blood has qualified you. Amen? Awesome. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Clap so he shuts up. <laughs> no, that's not true. I know. I, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Amen. Let me let me pray. <laughs> let me pray. <laughs> sorry. I know, man. I got to be careful, man. Praise God. The desire to crack bad jokes, man. Lord, help me with it. It is, man. Father, we thank you for this day. I think it's a special day. Lord, we're grateful. Lord, I, I just thank you that you continue to pour out your spirit, and we continue to have moves of the spirit like this that are filled with intimacy, that are filled with longing for you and satisfaction in your presence. And Lord, we just we want you. And Lord, I just thank you that you would have your way in this church and in this ministry, and that we would just yield to you and what for whatever you want to do, Lord. We never want to think that we have it all figured out. And Lord, I thank you. you. We invite you. Do whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. We long for the days, Lord, just like when the glory hit the tabernacle, that no one could stand to minister. I want to be in a place where I am incapable of ministering because you are ministering to me and everybody else, Lord. And uh, we, we, we love it when you talk. We love it when you come with your presence. We love you. And Lord, I thank you that we would stay free from all of our formulas and our expectations. And Lord, I just thank you that we would receive your goodness. Lord, we thank you for a great year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need to give an envelope this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Those of you guys watching online, you can give at gracepointgeorgetown.com. Thank you for supporting our ministry. Thank you for helping us do what we do. We're grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So thankful, so grateful. Times are refreshing through the presence of the Lord. Everybody tell Tim how good his hair looks. Because it is looking good.